0: Listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Gracious God, open our minds and our hearts to receive the gift of your living word for us this night. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. As the bishop or overseer of 74 faith communities in the Anglican Diocese of Rupert's Land, both in Manitoba and Northwestern Ontario, I'm very pleased to be able to join with you this evening to support four persons in particular, Glendon, Rachel, Beth, and Aaron, as they commit and recommit themselves to Christ and as we commit ourselves to them to faithfully be their body of Christ and to help them to grow and mature as disciples of Jesus Christ. Also as bishop, on behalf of the other 73 congregations in our diocese, I want to thank you—you who call St. Benedict's Table home—for your faithful ministry and mission, both as a community of St. Benedict's Table but also individually in the things that you carry out in your families, in school, in work life, and in the community. All the things that you do that help enrich this community we call the world, and particularly this local community in Winnipeg and southern Manitoba. Now, I want you for a moment to put yourself into the narrative of the gospel reading from Luke that you've just heard. It begins in this way. Root writes to us, when Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. Now, think about the setting for a minute. Remember, Jesus grew up in Nazareth. So, in very many ways, this is a kind of hometown boy returning back to his roots. He comes back, people have heard of his growing reputation. As an authoritative teacher, an inspired preacher, maybe even a bit of a prophet and miracle worker. And so he shows up in church, synagogue, the Jewish equivalent, of course. He shows up in church, and people hand him a Bible. That was what it would be in our day. And they give an invitation. They say, choose a reading, and then share a teaching on that reading. Now... I want to use an example of what that might have been like in our setting here. Some of you probably know uh, the Reverend Helen Kennedy, who in many ways was nurtured in this community here, uh, spent a good number of years here, then went away and prepared for ordination, was ordained as a, as a priest, and is now a gifted priest and pastor of St. George's Transcona here at the, west, the east side of Winnipeg. So imagine if Helen returns, and I know she does from time to time, but if Helen returns one evening and Jamie invites her to preach. And so she cracks open the Bible to Isaiah 61, reads verse 1 and 2, and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then she pauses and says, this evening, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, and goes and sits down. <laughs> now, imagine the reaction that might happen. I think for some people, it, they, they might kind of gloss over it, like they might just be pleased to see their local girl, you know, back here and in the midst and doing a good job. And they might just smile and say, well, aren't those encouraging words from our Helen? Others might be kind of puzzled and think, well, who is she referring to? Is it maybe Jamie who, who is the one who is going to fulfill these words? But there's... <laughs> but, but then there, there are others who are, are kind of taken aback, and if anything, they're almost incensed. And they say, well she thinks she is. I remember when she was just sitting in the pew here, and she'd bring her daughter along, and they were just kind of regular members of the congregation like the rest of us. She gets a degree in theology, she gets her own pastoral charge, and now look at who she thinks she is. Now, in the situation in the first century in that synagogue, you could say, well, yeah, but that was Jesus, the the Son of God. That's different Well, not really, (laughs) because Jesus was in their midst as one of them, simple human being with some gifts, some inspired preaching and so on, but very much one of them, just like all of us gathered here. But what Jesus was doing was acknowledging the call of the Spirit in his life and speaking the truth in love as we heard from our first reading in Ephesians. So let's let's look at that because we are praying this evening for the action of the Holy Spirit in the lives of Glendon, Rachel, Beth, and Aaron. So let's take a look at that passage from Ephesians 4 and see what it says about the action of the Spirit in the community. I'm going to read to you just a couple verses before the passage that started tonight. In verse 4 and 5, we read, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So, same spirit working on all of us, and particularly tonight, in these four lives. Then it goes on in verse 7. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then in verse 11, it starts to list those. It lists some of the gifts. And they are all ministries given to disciples, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, for the good of the whole church to develop its ministry. And then a little further down, the author of Ephesians continues with the teaching about how those gifts are to be used. And this is what we read. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And that is exactly what Jesus of Nazareth was doing that day in the synagogue. Speaking the truth in love about the call of the Spirit in his life. And therefore, Jesus' disciples, that's us, are also to acknowledge the particular calling of the Holy Spirit in our lives, accept and develop the gifts of grace that each one of us is given, and offer those gifts to help equip the saints for the work of ministry, as Ephesians says, for building up the body of Christ. We read in verse 13, Until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Now, all of this has some pretty serious implications for what we're doing here tonight. How are these four persons going to discover, develop, and deploy their gifts of grace? Well, they're going to do it with us. We are critical to their ongoing development as disciples of Jesus Christ, and they are to ours as well. And yes, even to Jamie's and to mine, Christian leaders are on the same path of discipleship, growing and learning to discover their own gifts of grace and how to best use those. The community of Christian disciples, the Church, is absolutely critical to the proclamation of the gospel and the purpose that God has for the body of Christ. Listen to that description in the last few verses of tonight's first reading. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. And it's very true, whether it's deceitful scheming or not, there are so many paths of spiritual development that are offered in the postmodern society in which we live. But what the Spirit is saying, but speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. So, in other words, the way God has created this community of Christian disciples around the whole world is really as a kind of single unit— even though it has very diverse expressions and we show that in different denominations and different cultural congregations and even somewhat different doctrines and understanding of scripture and and understanding of of the path to lead in, in living a Christian life. But like our physical bodies, this body of Christ is continually growing, maturing, specializing, adapting, to be an effective witness to God and God's kingdom in this world." So there really are no individual Christians. Each of us has an individual path that God has called us to walk, as these four persons have tonight, but we are woven into the fabric, the one fabric, that represents this body of Christ and its proclamation of the good news throughout the world. So Glendon and Rachel, Beth, and Aaron will publicly affirm that they accept Jesus Christ as Savior, put their whole trust in His grace and love, and promise to obey Him as Lord. And you and I, we will promise to do all in our power to support them in their life in Christ. In other words, to be a healthy, healthy, functioning, spirit-filled body of Christ for them, absolutely critical to their development and to ours. So in a very real way, God is giving them to us tonight, to this community, as gift. Beautiful, spirit-filled, powerful, sacramental gifts to us and pray that we might be found worthy to receive and engage them, quietly marveling in the reality that God will use us, simple folk like us, you and me in Winnipeg, to grace their lives, to help them discover even more of the image of Christ they carry. And they will do that for you and me also. How amazing that God can do this in simple flesh and blood like you and me. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in our hearing. Christ is doing it again, here, tonight, now. Thanks be to God. been listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For more information on the church or to offer your support for our ministries, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca.